to the Tag Your Podcast. I am Ray Ray. And I am David Van Bever Jr. And we're here with my dad, David Van Bever Sr. So two episodes with my dad because I am in Riley, Kansas. And I'm here with my dad in Riley, Kansas. And we're having a good time. I never recorded a podcast in the Parsonage in Crossroads. Uh, but he has done many live streams from the uh, parsonage, what they actually is their education building here in Riley, Kansas. And so, uh, with that said, Adam, uh, kind of give us a little bit of the background of what we're going to be dealing with here today in our program and uh, how we want to deal with this correctly and even open the line for dialogue, which is actually really cool, Adam. While we were doing the last program, I did have a, a member of the venues who I do know say, hey, I would be glad sometime to visit with you all about this. And I bet he'll even come on the program. Yeah, that'd be great. And kind of uh, touch base with us on that. But with that said, kind of give us the, the foundation for what we're dealing with and uh, and why we're dealing with it today. Yeah, yeah. And you know, every once in a while, um, we've dealt with uh, the venues, uh, Phil and, uh, well, Devin, and, um, we, so if you go back in our history, if you go on, uh, I know if you go on YouTube, you can find a playlist of it, but, uh, you, you dealt with the venues before, um, whenever they had a panel on being gay in the Bible belt. Um, that's what we did. I think we got three or four videos in response to theirs. We ended up having a conversation with Devin and Phil, um, at a coffee shop, didn't get recorded or anything. Um, basically nixed any sort of public discussion, um, on that issue that, uh, you know, we tried, uh, they didn't want it. Um, and so it had been a long time since we did anything. And, you know, I've kind of kept tabs on, on things here and there on just, uh, what's their teaching. I do, uh, know people, I do care for people. Um, so, you know, it, it, it get, it touches, uh, home a little bit. So this is not just a, I'm just out here looking for trouble sort of thing. There is a heart, um, for people, um, that I know hear the teaching who sit under it. And, um, well, let, just, let me yeah. hit it real quick. Oh, I want to say something, and this is cool because I want my dad to also maybe chime in on this. I think we do have a responsibility not to pick at others in their teaching. I think that that's wrong and done in a mean and demeaning way is, is problematic. And I could say, Someone might have looked at the way that you and I dealt with their panel on being gay in the Bible Belt and said, oh, these guys are being jerks. Let me just say, certainly, if your argument is just, oh, your tone was mean, that's a poor argument, by the way. It's a non-argument. It's uh, not dealing with the content of the argument. But I do think it's a reminder. You know, I wish you would have spoken in a different tone as you addressed this. I wish that you would have addressed this in a way that wasn't so... Uh, condescending. And how I, I don't know exactly how you manage that, but let me just say, our goal is not to try to be condescending and say, hey, we're so much smarter than you. You're an idiot. You don't know what you're talking about. That's not it at all. It is, if you're teaching this, I think that there's some questions that you really should consider. And if I'm going to call you a brother in the Lord, I think you should allow me to, to engage you in this discussion. 
Yeah. Oh, de- most definitely. And, um, you know, this is kind of like, if you're going to be a Christian, you're going to say you're a Christian. If you're going to call us your brother, then we are going to iron sharpens iron you. Right. You can't, you know, that's, that's just how we work. And if we find somebody professing themselves to be Christian, just think about, uh, Apollo, um, and how he was taken aside because he wasn't really teaching. Right. <laughs> right. Yeah. Right. That's an, that's a new Testament thing. Um, and, and so when we look at that, so, um, so, you know, I check in periodically, um, different things here and there. And so they're now doing this, uh, um, very COVID Christmas sort of theme, different things that look like, uh, Phil had been gone for a little bit. Um, but then he comes back on. Um, and so I checked out one of his sermons, uh, talking about God being close to us, even though we're social distancing. So, you know, right, right from the bat, you know, I'll just admit, I don't like the style. I don't like the, you know, and so, you know, yeah, there's personal issues I'm trying to, you know, and it's one of those things that I'm not attacking those kind of things, but I'll just be honest. You know, I don't, I don't like the style or whatever, but I'm not going to argue that. Um, I'm going to argue the arguments. And so, um, if you watch that sermon, um, talking about God being near, um, you know, needing God, especially in times, um, where we have to be away from each other, but God is always near. He is always with us. He's never leaving us. Okay. There, there's great truth in, in what he has said, but unfortunately, um, the starting point is the problem. And he makes a passing remark. And that's what I sort of hit, um, from that sermon is cause, uh, he's saying all these things. And then he says in passing, um, sort of just talking about God. Yeah. You know, I think he utilized the, he called God him and then kind of backs up a second and goes, well, you can't really put, you know, it, it could be him or her. You can't really put a gender on God. You can't put God in a box. You know, that's paraphrasing, but I think those are the exact words, just maybe not the same order of what he uses in this uh, passing remark. And if you really understand, um, especially from our end, God, the triune God that has revealed himself in scripture um, is our starting point of knowledge of anything without this triune God and his revelation. We can't know anything. We can't prove anything. And you know, what, uh, what is anything? Um, that's, that's the question. And so whenever he, uh, says that you can't put a gender on God, you can't put a God in a box, you know, I know in the past I've said, you know, well, we can't put God in a box, but he can. And he has given us word and he said, you know, what is revealed is ours. The secret things are his, but what is revealed is ours. And so God had to put himself in a box to be known, to be loved, to be worshiped. And he was happy to, um, as Calvin said, he lisps to us. So this is what we call the condescension of God. So if you look in the Westminster, or the, the, the uh, London Baptist Confession of Faith, chapter 7, talks about the condescension. We wouldn't even have fruition or reward of life without his covenant condescension. So, you know, that's kind of uh, putting both the Westminster and the London Baptist together, um, chapter 7.1 in there. Um, so, you know, if, and just as Calvin says, um, to know God is to know ourselves and to know ourselves is to know God. Um, you know, this is, again, this is our starting point. So whatever God is, is going to be the starting point to know who we are. And so this is why this is such a major deal, especially if he's talking about how God is near and you know, that the sort of that nearness attribute of God's a big deal. So then he says what he says. And so, um, I don't know if you guys have anything to interject before we get in. No, no. Okay. So I think that you, you hit it really well because your response to his statement and, and I apologize since I'm here in Riley, Adam is not able to play the, 
the audio so we can hear it on the live yeah. stream. Still figuring uh, things out. From the particular time point. But essentially, the real problem is Phil is making these claims that God is near, God is near, but then he basically is then undercutting his entire position when he says, well, he or she, because then he is, again, relating to a, a God that is not the God of Scripture in doing that. And so, Adam, you rightly responded, you can't put a gender on God, question mark, yet do you believe that we and mere creatures can autonomous, autonomously self-identify? Please don't be double-tongued, Phil. Jesus, who you say you want to listen to, who spoke to, of the words of the one who sent him, self-identified as Father. Jesus spoke the words of the Father. Please repent and use his language. This is clear scriptural teaching. And his response, Adam, to you was what? Yeah, he says, uh, hi, um, it is good to hear from you. It has been a while. I hope all is has been well for you and your family through COVID. My understanding of God's gender has evolved over the years as has my view of many things. The evolution uh, has not been fast or flippant. I appreciate your love for scripture and trust that you will recognize in me a deep love for scripture, even though our interpretations differ. Uh, so as briefly as I can make it, here is my understanding, which is not infallible. Let me go to the next screen here. It says, uh, in Genesis, women and men are created in the Imago Dei image of God, which suggests that God transcends our notions of gender. When Moses encounters deity in the burning bush and asks for a name, God responds in Exodus 3.14, I am who I am, which is a mixture of to be verbs without any specific reference to gender. The text seems to indicate that God is simply, and I think I did something without hitting uh, Seymour. So let me uh, go to my Facebook page and open that up wider. And I will <laughs> do that again here. Sorry about that, guys. Oh, no problem. We are we are following along here yeah. for the most part. Uh, yeah. So, yeah, so it says... So when Moses encounters deity in the burning bush and asks for a name, God responds in Exodus 3.14, I am who I am, which is a mixture of to be verbs without any specific reference to gender. The text seems to indicate that God is simply being, which is repeated by Jesus in his conversation with the Samaritan woman and says God is spirit without any gender beyond that or beyond material. The personal name of God, Yahweh, is a combination of female and male grammatical endings. Um, you are well aware of the fe feminine images used throughout. Hey, scripture. could you repeat that? We could. We can't see that, Adam. You've got to repeat that okay, yeah, so yeah. we can hear that because yeah. we can't see it. So I'll, I'll start back up. So he says, the personal name of God, Yahweh, is a combination of both female and male grammatical endings. Uh, you are well aware of the feminine images used throughout scripture to describe God. Many of them, though, function more as metaphors. Um, these passages caused me to question and eventually, and eventually move from my view that God is exclusively male. But it was not just a fresh look at scripture that changed my thinking. It was the views of some earthy church fathers. Clement, the Bishop of Alexandria states, in his ineffable essence, he is father. He is, in his compassion to us, he became mother. As the father, by loving, becomes uh, feline. 
In other work, uh, or in another work, Clement writes, the word Christ is everything to his little ones, both father and mother. I know that you could quote scripture and the church fathers to support your understanding of our conversation. It'd be like ping pong or a ping pong game. It likely, or it is likely that you'll never, you and I will never agree on this and other issues. And that's okay. I respect you and appreciate your courteous spirit. Merry Christmas. Um, and so, you know, could you send us the screenshot of that possibly so yeah. we can see, cause there's a lot to unpack there and we couldn't even see some of that. Yeah, sorry, sorry about that. <laughs> I know we're doing it a little live there, but um, yeah, uh, because I mean, I've got what he's saying here before. Uh, the text seems to indicate that God, uh, what I would say, first of all, is you're being inconsistent with the full revelation of scripture yeah. where uh, we recognize that Jesus is addressing him as God the Father over and over, over and over. And so I would assume that Jesus must have some misunderstanding of if this is your position, God has to have you. Jesus has to have a fundamental misunderstanding of the nature of God, because his address to God, as recorded in Scripture, is father. Here's the problem. Jesus is the fuller disclosure in progressive revelation of who God is. In fact, he says, if you've seen me, you've seen the father. Uh, there was no confusion about Jesus's gender. Now, it's a silly argument to try to be like, oh, you can't talk about God. Uh, just so you know, no male has completely all masculine features. You might say, well, that's a silly thing to say. No, there are things about every personality that is more masculine and more feminine based upon what we see as our interpretation of what be ma- what must be masculine and feminine. So yeah. what's the standard by which you're evaluating masculine and feminine? And are you doing so in a way that's consistent with scripture? And, and there's again a key problem from Phil's perspective. Does, is Jesus wrong? Did yeah. Jesus not know how to talk about God, the father and was scripture inspired by God in the Old Testament and New Testament, I can make a compelling argument along with Burkhoff that when uh, Paul is writing in 2 Timothy 3, uh, 16, when he says all scripture, all graphe, he is talking about the writing of the apostles too. And of course, in 1 Corinthians, when Paul makes it really clear, these aren't commands from me, these are from the Lord. Peter's saying men carried along by the Holy Spirit. So what we have in the revelation of scripture is that Jesus considered God, God the Father, told his followers to pray, Father, yeah, uh, and is completing all of the picture of the Old Testament revelation. So Phil's problem isn't with me, it's with Jesus. It was Jesus enough. Yeah. Did Jesus tell us enough? And not only that, did they record what we should, should have in Scripture? It's I don't even have to begin with oh, they're talking about feminine and masculine traits. According to what standard are you talking yeah. feminine and masculine? Yeah, I think, but yeah, I think, I think we definitely see uh, the, you know, the first, the first issue comes in whenever Jesus. he says, uh, um, you know, the, the text seems to indicate that God simply being, which is rep- or that God is simply being, which is repeated by Jesus in his conversation with the Samaritan woman that says God is spirit without gender beyond material. So if you're going to speak um, to about God, right then don't use him or her. And so that's where he's inconsistent. So when he's like, when you're talking about God, 
him, her, whatever. No, 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 no. God, there is no gender. So, you know, so, of, go for part it. Part of what Phil said was, I think is, is pretty uh, important. He says that I, I've evolved. Yeah. Well, there was, there is progressive, progressive revelation until Jesus comes. And then as, as we referenced earlier, uh, but Jesus is the final revelation. Yeah. So that's the revelation we accept, yeah. not an evolving revelation. The, the idea that, well, I used to believe the Bible was God's word, but now I've evolved and I see it as a, as a really good book. Yeah, well, yeah, that, yeah. You, you've rejected, you rejected the claim. You, you haven't evolved, you've rejected. And yeah. so I, 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 this goes all the way back, you know, uh, Harry Emerson Fosdick, the, the uh, Baptist slash Presbyterian preacher who preached the sermon, Shall the Fundamentalist Win? And that's a good sermon to listen to because he basically says, well, if people don't want to believe in the virgin birth, who are we to tell them they shouldn't believe in the virgin birth? Well, people don't want to believe the miracles in the Bible. Who are we to tell them? Well, I don't have to tell them anything. They accept God's written revealed word or they reject it. That's, that'll be all on them. It won't be on me. But when a pastor says it's okay to reject those things because you've evolved or we're evolving, no, the full revelation of God is Jesus Christ. So that when Jesus says, my father, that's gender specific. Yeah. Uh, it, and, and so we understand that he's God's son. He isn't God's son or daughter. Jesus is God's son. These things are really specific. Again, the idea that I need to evolve. Well, no, I need to stay true to what God has said. The, the God's people, when they were wandering around the wilderness and got the promised land, they started to evolve. Well, I think I'll worship this God. I think I'll worship that God. I'm evolving. Come on, get off my back. And the yeah. prophets are saying, no, you can't evolve. you got to stay true to the Lord. It's, yeah. it's Yahweh or nothing. Oh, yeah. no, no, no. You're just so narrow-minded, you prophets. And <laughs> then judgment falls down on their heads. Yeah, it's it's I mean, it goes back down to strange fire at the very beginning of Le Leviticus, <laughs> you know, the same, same idea. Um, but you know what, what's going on here. And I mean, I've, I've already replied. There hasn't been a reply back, but I'm glad Dave that uh, you've had a good contact um, with somebody from there that would have the conversation. I'd love to have it with Phil since we started it with Phil, but you know, it's almost uh, since we didn't get any conversation at the beginning with, with them publicly, I'll take anybody that's <laughs> willing to talk. Um, that well, is there's another interesting teaching, thing but, Adam, uh, that I think is key and it gives us a little bit more light on this. Yeah. It is for me very problematic. If you are flippantly in passing saying, Oh God, he, she, whatever. Yeah. You've now then said, let me move beyond Christ. Let me move beyond scripture. And that actually becomes his next comment to you. I believe in the same thread, right? Yeah. So, if, you, said, yeah, so if we continue um, on down with what he typed, he says um, after that, um, because what I had done is I had posted um, what I posted um, <laughs> and it'd been a, a while and so I went ahead and messaged him something else too, saying, you know, I, 
I you you put something forward in public, so therefore I responded in public and then sent it to his messenger. So he comes back um, again after what he said there, and he said, uh, "Adam, I just saw your message about going beyond scripture. I get the discomfort that comes from going beyond scripture. It is the same discomfort Peter felt when the Lord told him to go against Hebrew scripture in the right regard there. to. And uh, let's yeah, let me get this all out here because okay. yeah, I think we can get there. Yeah, so he said the same discomfort Peter." felt whenever the Lord um, told him to go against the Hebrew scripture in regard to eating unclean food in Acts 11. I feel it. It seems unsettling and a bit dangerous. It is my understanding that the scriptures or understanding of scripture that we all have gone beyond scripture in certain ethical issues, specifically slavery and the role of women. Um, We today in those areas do not practice a biblical ethic, which again, we call people to. I was taught in my Southern Baptist Sunday schools and church training classes as a youngster, the principle of progressive revelation. We're going to see how we have two completely different ideas of progressive revelation. Um, I've heard it referred uh, today as a redemptive hermeneutic, and he provides a link. Um, It says, Peter's experience is instructive to me as to what, who my ethical guide should be. And as Jesus told the Pharisees in John five thirty nine, life is not found in scripture, but in him. So whenever I got both of these, I'm like, Dave, we have a whole host of stuff. <laughs> you know, this is like for Facebook, but this is like, this is a book that can be written, you know, contra this. Well, you know, even as I look at that, even at the very end, he gets it wrong. Oh, yeah. that, oh, it's totally wrong. John 5.39, life is not found in Scripture, but in Him. He, Jesus said the Scriptures bear witness to Him. Yeah, yeah. Where, so, where, where do I find out about Jesus? I find out about Jesus in God's Word. Not uh, That's where I discover Him. Yeah. And, and I, 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 I see Him in creation all around Him now, but but, but the, the clear revelation I'm going to give Jesus is a written revealed Word. Jesus doesn't deny that in John 5.39. He just says, you guys are missing it. It's there in the word. You guys are just missing it. Yeah. And it will yeah. reject the word or, and this, yeah, I've never heard of his redemptive hermeneutic, but I, I, that's, I, I don't feel too bad about that. Uh, and even his, his, his explanation of Peter in the, in Acts 10, in Acts 10 again, I, I'm not sure how he looks at that and comes up to that conclusion. It's all about obeying the Lord. Hey Dave, was it a, or Dave Jr. Was it uh, yes. Peter? Was it is it Peter Entz um, that provided the uh, idea of the uh, Christocentric hermeneutic? Um, or who was it? But there Peter is it. Enns, you said is it Peter Enns or uh, Pinnock? Clark Pinnock or Peter Enns? Uh, off the top of my head, yeah, I want to say that it's, that it's Pinnock, right? I think Peter Enns is 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 okay. Peter Enns is the guy who uh, he's one of the authors of the different of the different views on inerrancy, yeah. and he is certainly on the ultimate rejection of inerrancy. Right? He's yeah. on the far side. So we're talking so about a hermeneutic. On one side, yeah. He's on the far side. Yeah. So we're talking uh, about a hermeneutic that ends up going well. It's the the scripture has error, but we here's what we can know: what is truth in the error? Right? Yeah. Okay. That's right. All right, just to clarify, but yeah, go on. Yeah, so, no, no, that, so I, I see exactly. Well, I'm drawn to this element. Uh, if we just wanted to talk, uh, let's just have a discussion. Bill. My, my thought would be, 
I'd love to have a discussion about Acts chapter 10, where Peter is given this vision. Yeah. Was God calling him beyond scripture? Or did Peter know that God was speaking of his redemptive work throughout history, extending and fulfilling what he said in the prophets like Isaiah, the ends of the earth, or no, the writings of Moses, everyone in the world, or Hosea, all the nations. Was that being fulfilled? Was Peter's view that God was fulfilling that, or was it that God was speaking beyond Scripture? Oh, wait. God's speech and Scripture are one and the same. Yeah, yeah. And, so, uh, and just a consistent, systematic theology would tell you that when God speaks, he speaks by decree. That's when he mm-hmm. says that things are happening. By personal address and through the prophets and finally through Jesus Christ. Yeah. That is a historical understanding of how God speaks in systematic theology, right? Yeah. And so what do we see here? God speaking consistently through personal address to Peter, who essentially is an apostle, fulfilled the rules of, uh, fulfilled the role of a prophet of, of old in the apostle in the apostolic age. Does that make sense? Oh yeah, and I mean, uh, I'd like, love to like, have again, a discussion uh, on, on, on was on was basically a discussion. Was God's revelation to Peter beyond Scripture in Acts ten? Great discussion, and oh, yeah. I'd love to have that. Yeah, well, it'd, I think it'd that be, would be well worth it. It's actually Sorry. something that would totally benefit the church <laughs> right yeah. now. And I mean, uh, just a, a plug again uh, about the uh, God and Government Conference on Jan- January sixteenth. Um, this would be an issue that would involve even that. So this is a big. There's a bigger issue here um, that's coming up through this. But um, whenever we think about it, God was always saving Gentiles. But the, yeah, the, the and Gentile, I'm say yeah, the Gentile as well. Yeah, I did not read this journal of the Evangelical Theological Society article that he linked you to there. Yeah, me either. Yeah, because we, I mean, I didn't. But I know do it. know what he means with progressive revelation, and if I understand right, redemptive hermeneutic. Yeah, I believe he's that. I believe if if I am trying to make the, those terms have uh, are very synonymous. Right. Yeah. In that idea that God is working out his plan of redemption throughout history. And we can understand how God is fulfilling his his goal of working a progressive revelation and redeeming humanity throughout history, starting with, you know, Moses, starting with uh, individuals like Abraham and showing, hey, all the way back to Genesis chapter three, verse 15 where he says all the world's going to be blessed through the seed of, of Eve, right? We can see that picture of the gospel expanding out. When I say the gospel, I should say God's plan of salvation expanding out. Yeah. So I don't think that the way he's using that terminology. It's not the same as what we'd hear. So whenever you're hearing. There, uh, yes, exactly. Yeah. So whenever you're hearing redemptive hermeneutic, uh, what's the definition? Like, okay, you went to the conference. You've probably got the little nine marks book. What's the definition of biblical theology? Yeah, biblical theology. Yeah, how do you right? do biblical theology? That's redemptive, right? The the arc. Yes, I would agree. Yeah. Again, okay, so that's you know whenever I see that, okay, okay, I'm on with you. But you know what? I already know um, that you've read Peter Ince and Pinnock and all those guys, so I know that you're going to go over on this side. 
which they have maybe their own. So like, you know, was he taught, um, redemptive, like a biblical redemptive hermeneutic through the covenants? You know, like, yeah, you're telling me verbiage, but I needed a definition of what you think redemptive, um, you know, what, what the redemptive hermeneutic is. And even with progressive um, revelation, you know, you could pretty much, if you had an idea of progressive revelation, is God still progressing revelation to us or did it stop in Christ? You know, so, I mean, these, these words can have different definitions, so it needs to be uh, put out, you know, is, is, is the Bible a living document? you know, that, that is subjected to my reason and I read it from where I am now, get the truth of it that I need now, or has it been written not in a vacuum? And this is where we get our, uh, you know, grammatical historical hermeneutic being biblical and errantists, um, you know, and so we read. And then again, like I said, in the last show, um, we go from them, then theological reflection us now, that's how you contextualize. Um, especially going from the Old Testament and stuff. But, you know, whenever we think about this Acts 10 issue, um, if you'd understand uh, God made, if you, I, I was like, you need to look at it from a triune covenantal redemptive hermeneutic. That would be um, covenantal biblical theology. Um, yes. And so when, whenever we're looking at that, God made every herb for Adam and Eve to eat, um, threw them out of the garden after sin, ground grows thorns and all that stuff. They eat bread. Um, flood comes. What is he, what does God promise after the flood? He said, every beast is yours. You can eat it. You can do whatever you want with it. He subjected the animals then underneath humans. Then you get to Sinai and then we don't eat the certain kinds of meat. Why? Because the pagans are, and you're going to look different. So it's a subjective issue, a covenant subjective issue that then gets opened up because of the gospel because instead of bringing the Gentiles into Israel to save them, now the law goes from Jerusalem over to the whole world. And so it's, you know, again, new covenant. So we can eat the principle still there that the ungodly should not mix with a godly, right? Yes. The principle is still there, but how it's working out covenantally redemptively is what's different. And so, Easy. I, I just, I just told you the answer. Why, why Acts 10 and how that does not go beyond scripture. Oh yeah. I, I agree completely with that. Yeah. And I think that that is, a, to me, I think that's a good discussion. I'd like to hear the yeah. pushback on why, Yeah. first of all, it is beyond scripture and how you can understand that without seeing the uh, continued covenantal relationship that God has with his people and likewise, how God's covenant actually originally uh, to his people and his promise to his people that a savior would come to redeem all and that he would make the unholy holy uh, is not fulfilled. And, and how that must be, uh, in other words, how that must be um, something that is beyond the scope of scripture or, or outside of scripture. And, and where are we called to... Uh, to have this discomfort of going beyond scripture. Where do we get that from? Yeah. Is that external to scripture or, or where is the beginning of that? Does well, that make sense? Oh yeah. And I mean, it totally makes sense because it's in scripture. Um, you know, God has laid out in, um, in the scripture covenantally 
things, you know, historical prologue, blah, 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 you know, the, the five point um, sort of uh, covenantal structure. The Pentateuch is actually written like that from five books. Um, mm -hmm. You know, and so there is a covenantal pattern um, in scripture going, you know, in the way God did dealt with in the Old Testament. This is why we can look at Genesis and though it doesn't say explicitly, I'm making a covenant with you, you still see the same pattern. Um, so that's what we call the covenant of works um, in the garden. Um, and so you can see how God has always covenantally dealt with people. So there is that hermeneutic. Um, that then if you really have that and like, again, you know, if you want to talk about my evolution was actually just submitting to scripture because I didn't want scripture, you know, so I would have probably maybe 15 years ago um, loved the venues because it, it played to my heartstrings. It played to my emotion. It played to my reason. What I felt was right. What I felt was wrong and all that kind of stuff. I'd probably be at a lot more agreement with them 15 years ago. Um, but you know, I had to submit myself to God's word because I found it. I, I got thinking before I got there, I'm like, I got to submit to this or I have nothing. And this is even before I found out who Cornelius Van Til and all those guys really were. God put me in a, in a corner and said, it's basically believe me at my word or, you know, not there. I mean, you're just not going to make sense of anything. And then again, this is again, like five years before I ever picked up a Van Til book. I think the, the, the issue, though, goes back to, again, Jesus Christ, the same today, yesterday, yeah. forever. He doesn't change. He doesn't evolve. Yeah. Uh, now, God evolved in his revelation, but he, again, it, the scriptures are really clear. Jesus yeah. is it. We don't yeah. look no farther. This is a far we go. So I don't need to evolve or grow beyond Jesus. When I do, I've left him. Yeah. If all of a sudden, I think I know more than Jesus. Then, then I've left him. I'm not a follower. I'm out there on my own saying and doing whatever I want. And and again, that's just a rejection of Christ. Uh, now, I'm not saying this guy's lost. I'm saying that but if you maintain that that the, the Jesus as revealed in Scripture is somehow incomplete and we didn't get it all, well, then you're going to write another a New Testament, another testament to Jesus. You're going to do something. because Or you could deal with the Scripture as we have it and it's revelation it's fully teaching about Jesus, about God the Father, about God the Son, about God the Holy, Holy Ghost, the Holy Spirit. We have that before us. Now, again, we can say, well, I'm just too smart for that anymore. But yeah. I, I'm just, I've grown beyond that. And gosh, I've met those folks, and I can't see the growth. I've, said, I've seen some retrograde in their life, but real spiritual growth goes, I'm, I'm missing it. The people I know who are growing are the ones who are still saying, you know what? That Jesus, he doesn't change. That gospel doesn't change. That truth is, is here. We, there, there are really are only two genders. God made a male and female. I, I'm not. I, I can't get any. That's it. If I think I'm smarter than that, then I then I'm foolish. Yeah, and it's one and of those so, things that that's one thing I hit him on is because he said he you know God made him in uh in the imago day here. Let me go back up to that um, part. Um, yeah, in Genesis, men and women, so he recognizes women and men are created in the Imago Day. So he has two particulars in a universal here. Men yes. and women are created in the Imago Day image of God. Um, and so I went back, and if you look at the, um, you go back and look at what I wrote um, in response, again, I'm still awaiting a response. 
as far as I know, unless if something new has happened during the show. Um, but I, you know, I actually congratulated him. I was like, Hey, this is really awesome. I'm happy to hear that. You say that God made two types of human being that are objectively male and female persons, Mm -hmm. something Jesus himself rehashes in his ministry as the God man here on earth. Mm-hmm. But this is the question that pertains to what you did not answer from my previous post. Why does it seem that you give more freedom and respect to man uh, than to God? And again, if God, mm-hmm. why can man self-identify autonomously? I'm a man, I'm a woman, I'm this, I'm that. But God can't. Why is it so hard for him to go, God has revealed himself as father and we can use the word him, but definitely not her, but definitely not him or her about essence. Yes. (laughs) That's the, that's where he's inconsistent. He said maybe the essence. And so this is whenever I went, well, it sounds like you're a confused Trinitarian or you are a Unitarian. You've conflated either from the Trinitarian side. I'm so glad you wanted to start quoting from John in that last little piece. And, and he quoted from John chapter five. Yeah. It's a, uh, the, the, again, so, I, I think a couple of episodes ago, I utilized the, the phrase, but the fallacy of parcel citation. Fallacy of partial citation, which is a great term. So he goes that 539. Let me, let's look at what John says about Jesus. Most importantly, he calls him the word became flesh dwelt among us. We've seen his glory. Uh, 114. And then he says, and I love this. No one has ever seen God. The only God who is at the father's side has made him known. Who was it that made God, the father known? So who knew God most intimately? It was the word that was with God in the beginning. He was, and I love it. And again, my dad's here, so he's he, he can work in the original languages, and I can I can look at them and kind of sound them out and say the word, but really, generally, have very few words that I can say. Oh yeah, and I know what that word. I know how that word translates. But has made him known. That is from the root of where we get the term exegete. Explain. I think the NASB actually says has explained him. Yeah, the ex Jesus is the exegesis of the Father. I've heard That's that. Right. That might have been uh, James White too. And whenever I heard that for the first time, I was like, "That's awesome." <laughs> well, and there's another little element here that I think is incredibly important. When Jesus is having his most intimate prayer with the Father, mm. uh, and I and I love uh, how Paul Washer will call John seventeen the real Lord's Prayer, right? Uh, yeah. Jesus says what about God? Father, mm-hmm. in verse one of chapter seventeen. And then he calls God the true God. And then in verse 5, he says, Father, in his most trying times and in in his most deepest moment, he's crying out, Father, verse 11, Holy Father. Let's go back even to verse 6. This is what Jesus says in his prayer. In verse 6, it says, I have revealed your name to the people you gave me from the world. Yes. 
So there you go. So, I mean, that's not just saying father, but he explains, I have revealed your name. Yes. Then go to 11. <laughs> yeah. And now I was trying to think, I believe now we're Matthew's gospel where he said, where he's, uh, where Jesus says, Abba, father. I cannot remember that exact verse off the top of my head, but Again, using purposefully the terminology that you would have, that a little boy would cry out to his dad, Daddy, right? Uh, if you're positioned, you, you have to start with the framework to, to arrive at Phil's position. And I'm very curious where he gets this. Does he begin with the, re, with the idea we really can't know if scripture actually tells us what God wants us to have. It's just a man-made document that maybe maybe has some ideas that point us to uh, some possible truths. If that's where you begin, then his hermeneutic on Christ, it doesn't really matter. Yeah. Do you see what I'm saying? Oh, yeah. There's a massive inconsistency. Yeah. So. Is scripture actually right in the revelation of Jesus Christ? Is Christ really who he is, says he is, as the Bible records? If so, then your idea on a lack of clarity of God and gender, yeah. there is no, it makes no sense. You have no excuse for having a lack of clarity on that. Yeah. Unless you say, well, we don't really know if Jesus said that. And if that's the case, you have no foundation to begin with. The argument ends. The discussion ends. And we know from our discussion with him, Scripture is just a man-made document. Yeah. yeah. So why teach from it? Yeah. So, you so know, yeah, it's like, why be arbitrary it? and pick Jesus? You know, let's, Bingo. you know, and, and that's, that's the problem. Um, again, this and, is why we need to say, a triune covenantal hermit redemptive hermeneutic. I mean, that pretty much sums yes, the, up the universal the of scripture. Yeah. And so let me say this, cause I know we're going to need to wrap up here. So my hope is, first of all, if you go to the venues and you've listened to this, share it with, with Phil, we've tried to have dialogue with him. Yeah. If dialogue and exchanging ideas is an important thing to bring about truth, let me just say, as a, ma as a man with a master's degree in communication who teaches communication, I do believe that dialogue does make a difference. And I believe that as Christians from a Christian worldview, we're called to exchange ideas and to, uh, as iron sharpens iron, yeah. right? So you put these things out in the public. We've also put them out in public. Your excuse can't be that, you know, people don't know who we are. Your excuse can't be, oh, you know, you're just mean folks on the fringes. That's not true. I teach at like the third largest seminary in the United States, right? Yeah. And I'm not saying that as like, oh, hey, look at me. I'm just saying, no, we are scholars. We have produced work at academic conferences, right? Let's have a real discussion on this and let's see where we land and where you are. Let's get some clarity. Please don't cartoonize or straw man us or ad hominem us and say, this is who these folks are. They're folks on the French. No, like 
we can have a serious discussion. So my hope would be that you would understand that's certainly what we want. We're watch my debate with Phil uh, at the start of the year. Yeah, if you yeah. don't think that that was a good dialogue, I don't know what you would describe as being a, a friendly debate. Watch our dialogue with Dr. Uh, Richard Howe and Adam Tucker. There was graciousness there. I was, I'm still friends with Dr. Howe. We've emailed each other since then. I'm sorry we didn't get to go and join him at the uh, International Society of Christian Apologetics, you know, Hopefully uh, get because you he's such year. a kind guy, yeah. Yeah, right? Next year. So we can have disagreements, but but have a discussion, and I think it would be valuable. Let's, let's funnel it down. Let's yeah. talk Acts 10, and let's see if we're called to go beyond Scripture and if that's what God was doing. I think yeah. that there's a parameters. Yeah, and it's one of those things. Acts that, well, 10 this is what... a clear indication that God calls us to go beyond Scripture. Yeah, and Let that we... be yeah. our resolution, and, and we'll go from there. Let that be our thesis. Yeah, and it's one of those things, just to let you know, um, you know, he appeals to, like, he's trying to appeal to my feelings. I might feel afraid. I might feel discomforted by going beyond Scripture. And the thing is, is, like, if I do go beyond Scripture, he is asking me, to do something that scripture tells me not to do. And so this that's is what right. I put in there. Paul has given me the warning. That's why I don't go beyond scripture. So it's not because I have feelings that are keeping me back, which I mean, I guess in one sense I could say that I have feelings and God has given me those feelings. So like if he's given me a new heart to feel these things, he's going to make it to where my mind and my heart are connected and I will feel something discomforting, right? About going beyond scripture. But the thing is, is I can ground that in the warning of Paul saying, don't go beyond scripture. And then even the fact that even God says, here's my word, don't add, don't take away. Um, so it's not that I, it's not, I'm not grounding it in feeling. I can ground it in objective truth of written in scripture. And so what he has done with his life and we see it play out and not just his life, but other people's lives on that panel um, that we discussed. It always starts with the feeling and then the slip. So well, once let, you go beyond let my dad have a final word and we yeah, probably better it. wrap it up for yeah. tonight. Yeah, go for uh, it. When I was in seminary uh, Midwestern, uh, I, I shared rides with a guy and uh, we lived in the same part of town and we both had to get there really early and really late. So that was great. And uh, so we rode, we rode together and he was very liberal theologically and he we're riding back and He's just saying, well, Dave, your problem is you're just too close-minded about these things. You're just not opening your mind. And uh, I, I looked at him and I said, Scott, who's going to sleep with your wife tonight? I think you're pretty narrow-minded on that, aren't you? I think you're thinking that you really should be the one to sleep with your wife tonight. I said, I don't think that's narrow-minded. I think that's got a firm foundation to it. I said, I think... When I believe God's word, it has a firm foundation. I don't want to be sleeping with other people's wives. I don't want to sleep with my wife. Where did I get that crazy idea? I got it out of God's word. Thou shalt not commit adultery. It's, 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 the, the, the word is true. If we base it on feelings and we get beyond scripture, then there's no limits. You, you really can't have a limit. If, if, if God's word is not true, then you make it up as you go along. And uh, I'm going to go home and sleep with my wife tonight. Me too. <laughs> yes, baby. Hey, Cassie, I'm sleeping with my wife tonight. Uh, maybe she heard that. 
<laughs> Thank you for that, Daddy Beber. <laughs> That's <Okay>. awesome. <laughs> if there was any note to end <laughs> that conversation on, it was that. Appreciate you guys. <laughs> it was great. <laughs> well, Adam, we love I love you, brother. I'm looking forward to being with you in the flesh next week. Next There's week, hopefully field. with uh, Tim Carter on the line, right? That's right, man. Sweet deal. Uh, so we'll God bless you. It's been a fun year. Dad, thank you for coming on two times. You gave us a good amount of time tonight on the podcast. Great contribution to tag your end yes. as far as all the time you share it too. So, uh, <laughs> but Adam, thank you. And my, my, my appeal is uh, Phil, we love, yes. Hey, let's do a three, three person panel. Yeah. I think my dad would be more than happy to join Adam and I in Springfield. Heck, we'll do, he could probably do it on his own dime, come to Springfield yeah. uh, and visit. And, hey, we'll social distance, whatever you want us to do. Uh, we'll wear a mask or whatever. Uh, but I think this is a dialogue worth having uh, yeah. and a discussion worth worth pursuing. And we hope you, 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 you feel the same way. Yeah, that's awesome. Yeah, well, definitely, definitely. Well, guys, thank you uh, so much for, again, uh, you guys who've stuck with us online through two awesome topics, which ends up being two episodes. So, again, for you podcast guys, last week that we or last time that was put up, you know, these were together. I've separated them. And so um, these live people that have hung out with us, um, you know, they've been in with a long haul. So thank you guys. Also, again, podcast guys, thank you so much um, uh, for making us a part of your day, a uh, part of whatever we're a part of anyway, a part of you just uh, if you get to use us to make fun and make yourself feel better. Great. We're happy that you're hearing the gospel. <laughs> and for you guys that actually utilize us for uh, whatever purposes, we uh, are humbled and we thank you uh, so much for your continued support, your uh, continued prayer, and just being uh, with us and joining us. Um, so with that said, this is the Tacky It Podcast. I'm Ray Ray. I'm Dave Jr. And I'm Dave Sr. And solely Deo Gloria.